now that's in a car. Now there are areas that don't move, and then there are areas that are going to be under a lot more tension because the force is still traveling in the same way. So welcome everyone to another episode in our season two of Finding Your Range podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Dubon, a movement therapist who specializes in hypermobility, EDS and chronic pain. And I'm delighted to welcome our guest today. Now you may recognize our guest if you watched um, season one of Finding Your Range, you will recognize our lovely guest, Anna, who joined us um, to talk to us all about breath, which was amazing. So if you haven't seen that one, head over to earlier episodes on YouTube and check out Anna's lovely description of breath. Um, and it's got a beautiful breathing practice at the end of it. So really lovely and relaxing to end your day. But today, um, Anna's joining us to talk about something totally different. So um, a lady of many talents, um, we're going to delve deep and pick her brains again. But before we get started, I'm just going to read Anna's bio. Um, so some of you may not know Anna, um, and we'll just learn a little bit about her background. So Anna Baratsagurin is a movement educator, myofascial release practitioner, and the creator of Moving Fascia. Moving Fascia is a movement method based on self-release and fascial movement techniques that has helped hundreds restore ease, minimize pain, and improve dynamic stability, fluid movement, and breath. Anna has two decades of experience as a movement educator, a myofascial release practitioner, and a visceral manipulation practitioner. She holds a private practice online and in person from her studio in Brighton in the UK. Anna is the founder of Evolve Movement Education, which is a training organization running anatomy and fascia courses for professionals in the field of movement and manual therapy. She holds a postgraduate diploma in anatomical sciences. She has been a movement educator in various teacher trainings for the past 15 years, and she lectures internationally on anatomy and movement. Wow, that's amazing. So thank you, Anna, for joining us again. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me back, Jeannie. Such um, a pleasure to be here. No, it's our pleasure, because as I say, you have so much knowledge about all things anatomy and um, fascia and um, movement. So um, I'm delighted that you've come back to join us. So as I say, we're gonna talk to Anna about something totally different um, today. Um, and we're discussing um, the topic of scar tissue. Now, before um, Anna, we start sort of chatting to Anna, I just want to say that this obviously isn't medical advice. So if you have any concerns about scar tissues or adhesions, then please obviously get that checked out by a medical professional. And we're really today discussing scar tissue, how it can affect our health and movement potential um, and the qualities of scar tissue, but it's not, specifically about EDS um, scarring. Um, and we know obviously in classical EDS, that's um, a major thing in the scarring. So if you'd like more information about scarring in terms of EDS and classical EDS, I highly recommend you head over to YouTube. Um, Nigel Burrows um, is obviously a skin doctor and he speaks for the EDS Society. And on the EDS Society YouTube channel, you can listen to his presentation all about EDS um, 
very specific scarring. So I just wanted to make that clear that this is more of a sort of a higher level, but very, very useful and interesting information. But I um, just wanted to make that clear before we dive in. So let's get started. So um, Anna, what's your, obviously we heard from your bio that you have, you know, a wealth of experience um, in, in this area and, you know, visceral manipulation and myofascial release. And, but what's your personal interest or journey? Why are you interested in scar tissue? Um, well, obviously through, through my practice as a myofascial release practitioner and, and visceral manipulation practitioner, I have, I have seen uh, scar tissue a lot and, and yeah like you say I, I have seen it in that context so I've worked with people um, in the bodies with their scars but personally I I have a lot of scar tissue so I've got um, I've got a scar that runs all the way from my cyphoid process from, so from the base of my sternum all the way down my abdomen to almost mm -hmm. my pubic bone and I, wow. uh, that's from an operation I had when I was 18. So yes. I've basically, that scar has been really part of my life for all my 20s, my 30s and, and my 40s. So I really um, <laughs> have experienced the scar tissue in a really personal level and how it can affect um, so many layers of, of of me really not just mm -hmm. the actual restrictions that we might bring physically into my movement into my breath but also you know in a in a psychological level what it means to have a scar and and all those all those layers so yeah. personally i have a i have that experience of scarring i i actually have um experienced that scar twice because i have the same operation again in my 30s so oh, wow. okay. yeah, so there's there's kind of and maybe later on I can sort of bring in a little bit more of that story because I imagine we're going to be ending up talking about things like adhesions, which are those um, extra scarring that we do um, in into the body because the scar obviously has a three dimensional quality to it and how it sort of dies into the visceral space. And it can start creating adhesions in which the the organs have got less mobility and they end up having these um, collagen structures created, yes. collagen relationships. But we can talk about that later. But yeah. personally, I have experienced adhesions and I, I have mm -hmm. experienced um, some complications with adhesions with 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 led to another operation and right. so personally i i have got yes you know some relationship with this scar yeah. tissue yeah. yeah so it's really yeah and i like the fact that you mentioned the psychological aspect and um mm. you know i didn't touch on that in in you know my planning but i would really like to sort of come back to that maybe at the end and just discuss yeah. the sort of psychological implications of that because sure. you know, a lot of people are ashamed of their scars, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, with a condition like EDS, as I mentioned earlier, especially the classical type EDS, people can get, you know, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and in obvious places, you know, on their legs, on their arms. So it'd be really interesting to hear your views on, on that. Um, so, Thank you, Anna. So yes, yeah, so pretty major 
scar to scar right the way through the torso, really through the abdomen, mm. which, as you mentioned, is going to impact, I would imagine, the organs and everything, the movement potential underneath that scar. Mm. Very Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you touched on it briefly, but for, the, for those of us that don't know, um, what, what is scar tissue and why is that different from our normal tissue? Okay. So scar tissue appears obviously after there's been a, a wound. So it's part of the wound healing process. Um, and I mean, the thing we do as humans is we, we regenerate, we, uh, we heal. Is, is part of our innate. We've got this one health that is innate to all of us and, and we heal. We, we are in constant state of change and we heal. So a scar tissue is that regeneration of connective tissue that, um, that happens as part of the, of the healing process. Now, I think one thing that is interesting is that regeneration is there from the onset. Like we can have regeneration um, in the womb, even in the, you know, a fetus can have regeneration as well. So when we are inside the womb, um, it has been found that for the first three months of our uh, healing, if there is a, uh, any kind of regeneration that happens in the tissue when we are developing in the womb, um, we don't actually form scar tissue, we just regenerate the same oh, wow. tissue. And it's only after about around three months of development that if there is any any kind of wound to the to the connective tissue in the fetus and obviously later on in, in the in the baby and the the, the human, um, it will it will go through a scarring process. Um, so this the scar the scar tissue is it goes through it. There are there are different processes of what occurs at cellular level when there's been a wound. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that happens obviously is the coagulations. We start to coagulate so we stop the bleeding. Yes. Um, and the next stage is a stage of cell proliferation. So there's a, there's a lot of activity coming into the area. And we, this, it's been found that in the, one of the first things that happens is that there's a proliferation of mast cells. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of mast cells arriving to the area. So there's a lot of activity, um, a lot of cytokine uh, mm -hmm. activity as well. And there, there is a proliferation of cells and inflammatory process. So we yes. get inflammation to the area as part of the yeah. healing process, because inflammation, um, and I am not talking about chronic systemic inflammation, I'm talking sure. inflammation localized yeah. to a particular area after there's been a wound, um, is part of the healing process. So the first thing that we have is this inflammation to the area. And the, the mast cells specifically start to stimulate um, the fibroblasts in, in, in that connective tissue. The fibroblasts, I, I am aware that I'm throwing out all these different uh, uh -huh. names, but I know that the EVS uh, community probably has definitely heard about mast cells. I'm oh, going yes. to imagine, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and and obviously they might have also heard about fibroblasts, which are those yeah. cells that are in charge of the layout of the collagen fibers yeah. and the other fibers, as well as um, the the sort of environment that there is in the connective tissue. 
not just the layout, but also the breakdown, so that they decide the the knitting of the fibers. Mm -hmm. So that's the second sort of stage of the healing process. First, there's yes. this inflammation, and the inflammation and the mast cells stimulate the cells of the connective tissue, which are the fibroblasts. And then there is uh, a layout of uh, collagen. So we start to yeah. get fiber buildup. We start to appear, fibers start to appear and the connective tissue starts to knit together. Yes, yeah, it makes sense. Now it doesn't come and knit together like normal connective tissue would. Um, and that's the difference between normal connective tissue and scar tissue. So it is found to be a lot less pliable. It has a lot less flexibility in it. And mm -hmm. um, um, one characteristic of it as well is that the way that the collagen is laid out, it doesn't have the organized pattern that you will get in other connective tissue or in other types of fascia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is really important because it means that scars um, although they are less pliable, they are also weaker. It's weaker um, tissue than than normal, yeah. um, yes. than normal collagen. collagen. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's quite sort of. I, I hope that's made, I haven't no, no. made it too complicated. And it's, no. um, but on a on a kind of. What is scar tissue? Well, scar tissue is the regeneration of the of the connective tissue, but with a bit of a sort of different buildup of the of the way that the collagen yes. gets laid. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's really interesting because obviously someone with EDS or a connective tissue disorder already has, you know, under the microscope, the collagen looks very dispersed, like a um, like Nigel Burrows, who I mentioned earlier. He talks about having the end of a rope being sort of frayed. So the collagen looks all splayed out as opposed to tightly packed together. And I guess if you've then got scarring going on on top of that, that's going to be even messier. Whereas even normal, messier. Tissue, normal tissue is going to knit together to the best of its ability. But if you've already got that um, condition, I guess it's that's why we end up with sort of bumpy, lumpy scars that maybe aren't, you know, as smooth as maybe they could be. It's really interesting. Yeah. And the fragility of it makes sense as to why people's scars often open up again, especially yeah. after surgery, things often start to come apart again because of the fragility yeah. of the tissue. So yeah. you definitely yeah. see the impact of that. Yeah. I, I have um um so when I when I teach usually movement professionals and manual therapists I, I use a lot of props and I, mm. I did bring one of my little props oh. which is very simple I am aware that this is a podcast and you know this I will know. be put also on YouTube so I thought yeah. I would bring it anyway yes please um, yeah. and so basically um, all I have here is just a bit of um, parcel tape yes. uh, you know parcel tape has got those yeah. strands of, uh, of fibers through it yeah. and what I've done is I've laid it in in different directions so that they create patterns I don't know if you can see it yes. very easily on there yes. yeah so that would be a lot stronger that yeah. you know because of the knitting being so kind of geometrical and those patterns being um in this kind of real um relationship that creates a tensile strength Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're talking about that is missing in the scarring yes. process. So yes. we end up with collagen layout. Yes, we still 
produce fibers, but those fibers are not being laid and organized in an organized pattern such as, yes. I mean, this is obviously a simplistic view of how sure. the three dimensionality no, yeah. of our collagen yes. would be, but it might be useful for someone to visualize, Absolutely. oh, okay, I see the strength of that. Whereas if it was more of a sort of mess, like the noodles in the yes. soup or something, that's yes. not gonna have the same tensile strength. Same yeah, maybe it's very, ten very um, strong in this direction, but actually when I pull in this direction, it opens. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Thank you. And so are there different types of scars? So we mentioned yeah. adhesions, which I guess are in turn, I mean, very simplistic, are adhesions internal scars? And then you've got obviously the scarring on our skin layer. So yeah. Yeah, so there are different types of scars. I mean, is a the scars can become fibrotic, you know, at the at the skin level or at the superficial level. Yes, uh, scars can become so that can be um, one of the different types of scars or one of the problems that can happen. So that there is almost like an overproduction of collagen. There's too much collagen. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. that the scar is stronger because of the conversation that we just yes. had about the way that it's knitted. Yes. Um, but there is almost too much proliferation and too much. Um, there is a conversation about whether this is due to the mast cell over activity uh, oh, yeah. and whether that over uh, inflammatory response has got an, an effect on the fibrotic, um, you know, how we end up with too much collagen. Yes. So we can end up with um, uh, hypertrophic scars yes. or keloids yes. uh, in which the scarring at the superficial level lose a lot, looks a lot more raised usually. Uh, sometimes it looks swollen and red um the yeah. redness um another of the processes that we didn't go into detail about but that happened in that first stage of proliferation is that we have a process of angiogenesis where um obviously a lot of the blood vessels in the wound process have been damaged so yeah. there has to be angiogenesis is the creation of new blood vessels oh, so we okay. have got that extra sort of creation of blood vessels and so there can be a lot of redness in the scars yeah. keloids um we are a problematic sort of scar um yeah. but we can say that that's a type of scarring as well yeah um and yeah. then obviously what we see on the surface is only um the tip of the iceberg because this um, buildup of collagen doesn't just happen in the area of the where the scar is um, is visible to the eye, but um, uh, it it becomes a, a three dimensional uh, probably you know three dimens three dimensional. It grows, it grows yes. into the into the into the body, so it goes inwards. And, 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 it, and it ends up yeah. potentially in the visceral space. Obviously, it depends where that scar is. Yeah. But yeah. Any a scar in the abdomen or in the thorax or in the pelvis is going to have much more potential of affecting the organs inside yeah. the trunk. Um, yes. So, 
Yeah, so adhesions are, are, are that buildup of extra buildup of collagen around areas where, I mean, this we can go into talking about adhesions if, if you want, how, um, yeah, I mean, maybe we're mm. talking about that later, so yeah. just leave it for now. I... <laughs> no, I think, I think we can, you know, it's, it's interesting because people with EDS are often told that we should avoid surgeries if at all possible because, well, poor wound healing, again, because of the knitting together and, and then the opening up of the wounds, but also we're quite prone to these adhesions. So, yeah, I think, you know, we can talk a little bit about those because, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've seen so many people who's, who are suffering and struggling with movement and pain because of adhesions from surgeries. So, yeah, could you tell us a little bit yeah. more about them? Yeah, so the adhesions um, can be really problematic. Mm. Um, the adhesions are, like we're saying, where what we're seeing with the eye is only the tip of the iceberg. And, and I think for me, that is the probably one of the most uh, important metaphors to think of with a scar. If you think of the, of, the, of, the, of the skin and the scar that you're seeing is, is, a, is only just that tip. And then if you do visualize the inside of the body and how that can kind of grow into this knitting of um, extra fibers, so this fibrotic kind of mm -hmm. um, growth that yes. can start to affect the organs. So the organs themselves, um, and this I think is important to understand because not everyone has this visceral of the, of the viscera. Um, the way that the viscera sit inside us is that they are suspended and they have got these ligaments. So they have got these, almost if we can imagine them, spider web relationships to the structure. Mm -hmm. And some of them, uh, some of these spider web relationships to the, to the structure have a lot to do with their stability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of can, they're not necessarily hanging as such, but they, you can imagine that they have tensile relationships in various um, mm -hmm. pooled um, connections. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those, they're not only just about um, their suspension mechanism, but also about their ability to um, have an interoception or an interoceptive quality. So our nervous system being able to understand what the motility or the movement and the mobility of that organ is um, will happen also through, the, you know, the movement that occurs mm -hmm. in these collagenous structures that suspend the viscera, but also you could imagine them as a sort of undersea kind of seaweed environment. And the movement of that seaweed is necessary to anchor the viscera, to anchor the organs, but also to give them that pliability and that mobility that they need to move and that pliability and that mobility that they need to send messages of, I am okay, back to Amazing. the central nervous system. Yeah? Yes. I mean, this is quite a poetic way of describing it. Oh, it's that... beautiful. I was just thinking, gosh, it's so, I just love how you describe things. I could totally see that in my head. I hope our listeners really got onto that journey. You describe it so beautifully, you always do, but yeah, totally understand that. Yeah. And of course, people are thinking, I didn't, 
as you say, people probably think, I don't even know, didn't even know my organs were supposed to move, you know, they're just, aren't they sort of fixed in a place? Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people also think of their organs as oranges inside a shopping bag. Like you get a shopping bag and you just put all the oranges inside it and the oranges are the organs and, and there is the structure of the shopping bag and they're just sitting one on top of the other and that would not be a very healthy environment. I mean, <laughs> how were we able to like um, have that constant communication and fluidity that is needed through the lymphatics and the vessels that need to yes. and the nervous relationships and, and, the, and the physiology that needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so it's that sort of undersea environment, if we can imagine the inside of the body in these kind of poetic seaweed relationships that are anchored. So that is necessary. Mm -hmm. And then when the scarring happens and the adhesions begin to happen, each organ which is there within its own capsule, and the organs are usually in what we call visceral fascia and you know, there will be a sort of capsule of organ, but this fluidity starts to be compromised because now that capsule is over, over, let's call it tight. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. It's, there's not yeah. too much buildup of collagen. So mm -hmm. now there isn't the movement that needs to happen. Right. So that will be one type of additions. That will be the most clear and, and easy to understand way of like, okay, so I've got scarring in my abdomen and yeah. that creates a buildup within the uh, within the visceral world that yes. does not need to be there and it compromises the mobility yes. of those organs. Um, that's one of the things that it compromises, of course, as it compromises the mobility is also going to compromise the physiology. So the physiological needs that are out of, needed out of the liver is going to be you know now it doesn't move the same it's wow. going to be compromised it's going to compromise breath if that's within the trunk especially because of the uh, diaphragm now having these restrictions that they can't the diaphragm can't Gosh, move yeah. quite as much Absolutely. and it's also going to um it's also going to be sending signals um into the central nervous system that can be registered as pain so you can start right. to really um, create um, that vicious circle cycle of um, of pain response, yeah. Um, and yeah, Gosh. yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. We also have to think, Jeannie, that when uh, one of the things that you know, when we are do when we've got wounds, especially in the trunk, we end up with scarring also deep in the layers beneath because obviously. You know, the surgeon's gone in through into, you know, depending on what the surgery was, um, mm -hmm. is, is usually gone in through uh, into the peritoneal sac and then through into finding the, you know, I don't know whether it was in the intestine or mm -hmm. wherever they're going. Yeah. Um, and obviously those operations uh, are going to end up with much more likelihood of developing adhesions. That's not to say that a superficial scar cannot end up producing adhesions. Mm -hmm. okay. Uh, okay, so even a superficial one could cause adhesions, but it obviously, um, yeah, of course, if you have abdominal surgery, even something yeah. like a C, you know, lots of people, oh. me included, will have had a C-section. Um, that's obviously cuts right through the abdomen. So scar tissue, I mean, I still feel, it still doesn't feel right 
where yes. my, scar, my scar is. Um, yeah. So the nerve endings and everything have been totally, you know, destroyed, I guess, there. It's just another thing that we, you know, we need to touch on in terms of it doesn't just compromise the mobility, but it also compromises the nervous network. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, because as the tissue is less fluid and less mobile, the adjacent fluid is going to usually become less fluid and less mobile too. So, right. you know, even if the scar tissue, and this is maybe something we can, I mean, this is a big subject and I could be talking here yeah, for another three different. hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but amazing. in terms of how we work with it, uh, that's something else to kind of think yeah. of. The, not yes. just the, the scarring, but also the adjacent tissue, the surrounding tissue that loses its pliability. Yeah. Um, and yes, and the nervous system, uh, is going to be very, very important in, in how it gets it gets really affected. Mm. And as and a C-section, especially, you know, they're going mm. through an organ as well. They're going through the womb as well. So they're not just going yes. through there. Uh, but um, even if I can just also say, because uh, I feel that we're focusing a lot in the viscera within the trunk and the, yes. that I, you know, when I teach um, movement, so I, I teach anatomy um, to movement therapists, yes. so movement teachers, and I teach anatomy to fascial anatomy to um, manual therapists. And we go through a whole journey, but one of the things that I always talk about is um, the visceral arm and the visceral leg, because right. we tend to think of um, the viscera being only in the trunk. Mm -hmm. And of course the main organs are there, but we have to think that there is a lot of visceral tissue. Um, for me, my circulatory system, for example, is all visceral. It's not just the heart is the viscera and then the vessels are the vessels. So, like the vessels are also have that connective, mm -hmm. the connective tissue in the vessels is also got the visceral quality. And, yes. and if we have got scarring in the, in the limbs, we're going to usually also compromise those sheets that envelope our vessels and our uh, nervous pathways and, and lymphatics and yeah. so yeah that's also wow. another element to think about yeah goodness so when people yeah hip operations knee operations all of that yeah that's yeah. amazing didn't really yeah. yeah didn't think hip operations before. Yeah, like a hip replacement, for example. Yes. Or I've had a hip arthroscopy, you know, pretty major operation. Um, and the um, hip is so close to the pelvis, I mean, is the pelvis yes. is so close to the viscera of the, um, of the, of the um, true pelvis. So, yes, yes it's definitely oh, yeah. going to have implications. Yeah. And um, so that brings me on yeah. to how that sort of operation or any operation or scar tissue can affect our movement and health because after my hip arthroscopy um again this was many years ago so we're talking 2011 i think many many years ago now yeah but, um and before i really delved deep into knowing all of this stuff so i was pretty naive but i knew that once i started moving again i knew that i had some stiffness and tightness and so 
being presented with stiffness and tightness, I thought I'll just get on my reformer and I'll stretch it out and I'll do lots of lunges and I'll open it. And yeah, I could feel it stretching. And I thought, actually, that feels quite good. That the next day I couldn't walk. Okay, so I learned my lesson through experimenting that I can't really stretch my scar tissue because I presume there's a lot of scar tissue in there. So what should we do? You know, how is it going to affect our movement? Should we be stretching our scar tissue? I presume we're going to say no. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? So, um, yeah, I remember, I remember your hip uprising, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, There's so much to talk about here. <laughs> I don't know where to begin because, of course, um, you know, how, how can a scarring affect our movement if we start from that? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then even that is a massive sub subject. But if we just go with, um, if we can go from the adhesions, mm. how can it, because obviously we can talk about how it can affect, uh, a superficial scar can affect the uh, movement, but also how the adhesions can affect the movement. So um, obviously now that we've got this um, change to this kind of fluid environment of the viscera, now these organs are encapsulated in these, I'm going to call them cages. They're not going to be cages. They're going to be more mm. like cocoons, yeah? So mm -hmm. like connected tissue cocoons okay. that now they can't really move in the way that they could move before. Yeah. So if you now start to create big movement into these, uh, sea and the sea world <laughs> um, you can imagine that where before there was a sense of the fluidity traveling across like a wave and yes. evenly distributing this motion throughout yes. all the structures that it was finding the forest was traveling through and was finding all these different structures and it was kind of like all of it was going to be homogeneously distributed now yes. that doesn't occur now there are areas that don't move and then there are areas that are going to be under a lot more tension yes. because the force yeah. is still traveling in the same way yes so very important so that's very important to, to have in mind um especially directly after the surgery so yeah. like to have allow ourselves for a long period of um of healing and the, and the inner space is going to take a lot longer to heal than when we see that when what we see on the surface. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, this is one of those um, snakes that bites his tail because, <laughs> uh, because likewise, uh, say that we do the opposite and we decide to just directly after surgery, create no movement at all and be scared yeah. of move, moving. Yes. The less we move, the more that we're going to invite for that collagen to be building and to create these, I'm going to call them cocoons again, yeah, these cocoons around the... Yeah, these kind of fibrous, yeah, fibrous yeah. Um, relationships being yeah. much more fibrous. So yes. we need certain level of movement. Now yeah. we need to be 
this is where movement specialists like yourself or me or many others that we know are going to be key in helping us find uh, more ease in our breath yeah. and, and so that we can create as much as we can that fluid environment inside and then uh, more ease in the surrounding tissues to the scar. Yeah. If we think about it, at the level of the, of the surface, not so much that inner sea world, we're gonna again have those, um, that, that area in which the scar is being built up, being not very, not very strong anymore, is weaker tissue, we talked about that. Um, um, and if we start to put that under tension, that is going to lose um, yeah. its um, integrity. Yeah. Now, the surrounding tissue around the scar tends to get also compromising its fluidity. Yeah, so there sense. are different techniques that myofascial release practitioner, a well-trained myofascial release practitioner, um, and, and maybe a visceral manipulation practitioner as well, can help you work with to try to find a little bit more fluidity in the surrounding tissue around the scarring yeah. so yes. that as, as that tissue is more fluid, less force travels to the scar itself yeah. because now yeah. the movement is able to transfer itself around the surrounding area. So yeah. is, is, is scar tissue is a difficult thing to work with because you need a certain level of fluidity and then yet, like you say, if you're going to stretch in and you put in the tissue right under tension, what you're going to find is that you're going to potentially put it into a challenging, dangerous even uh, place. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So that's a long-winded sort of quick answer to... Um, Makes perfect sense, yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, yeah. We have to be gentle, of course, especially with EDS, we're always going to take the gentle approach anyway. Absolutely. We certainly shouldn't be beating ourselves up and trying to force our bodies to do something. We have to respect that tissue. Um, and like you say, work with compassion and healing around that whole area. You know? yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's really, that makes perfect sense. An important um, idea for people to visualize, instead of thinking of stretching, think of mobilizing. So yeah, think of mobilizing absolutely. the area as opposed to stretching, creating more absolutely. mobility and encouraging fluidity, encouraging breath. Yeah. Um, and in that, you will not only find that there is, um, you know, in that there is a lot of stability in, in the mobility and the fluidity that we find. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the big question is do not the big answer is do not stretch your scar tissue um and especially you know with EDS after surgeries we are as we know going to have more fragility um more risk of scars opening up we do not want to be beating ourselves up and going aggressive with this and and Anna mentioned about myofascial release and I know obviously Anna is a myofascial release um expert so can you talk to us about, so this could be a nice way of working with our scar tissue um, through myofascial release. So could you explain what does myofascial release do and why, why could that be a good option for us? Yeah, so uh, myofascial release, I mean, is, it's got the name of like you're releasing fascia. 
it's yeah. kind of a big discussion like what is it that we are releasing yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> what is it that we are releasing um it's a kind of confusing name i i like to think about it as we are um inviting through our hands for for that relationship of the fluidity being evenly transferred across all tissues so usually my fascia release practitioner will have an understanding of uh, connective tissue and will have an understanding of the different relationships of how um, the myofascia so the fascia of our uh, musculoskeletal structure as well as our visceral fascia and our you know all the different types of fascia superficial fascia or our yeah. whole connective tissue network has yes. got relationships and understands how perhaps someone comes in with uh, pain in the shoulder but maybe that is not the origin of the pain and yeah. there is a restriction elsewhere in the body Yes. So in terms of the scarring, uh, we tend to work around the area of the scar to create more fluidity around those tissues, like we were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can, be, it can be really useful when the scar has healed. So you want to obviously wait for the scar to heal before you see a myofascial release practitioner. Okay. Um, I think it's important also to do, do visceral manipulation. Um, okay. So how um, is that? What what is that? So visceral manipulation is a is a is a branch of my facial release. We could say okay. and is a, is another sort of a speciality. And there are different schools that you can train with. One of them, mm-hmm. the one I trained with, is the Barrel Institute. Um, the name again can be quite misleading because when you say to someone, "What you know at a dinner party? What do you do?" Oh, I do visceral manipulation. <laughs> they all run away. <laughs> so it's not um, it's not about manipulating the viscera as such. There's a yeah. lot of gentle approach in there, and there's yeah. a lot of listening. Um, we we'll have um, an understanding of of viscera and the physiology, but also the, their mobility. And the anatomy of these structures that we've been talking about within the visceral ligaments yes. and their effect and yes. how the viscera should move. Yes. And through the hands, being able to listen to which areas maybe there is a little less fluidity and be able to bring a bit more fluidity to yes. those areas. So yeah. visceral manipulation can be very useful um, there are different types of visceral manipulation. Some of it can be very aggressive. Mm. And if I can encourage your uh, community, the EDS community, to this, I don't believe will be the best thing no, for someone absolutely. with EDS. No. Um, to to if they are going to see a visceral manipulation practitioner, that they make sure that is someone that has been recommended as having a really gentle hand and having a real gentle approach. Yeah. To visceral manipulation. Absolutely. Um, I would like to say one more thing in terms of adhesions that I think is really important as complications that can come up with adhesions. Mm-hmm. So yeah. adhesions can create a lot of pain, but also sometimes adhesions can um, create hernias. Um, within the body itself, so within the visceral space. So the way that these uh, build up of collagen could end up creating 
an opening where there should not be an opening. Okay. Um, yeah, so that now you have, you know, a hernia in the abdomen uh, yes. uh, and, and a normal surface hernia. Everyone yeah. knows that is an opening in the connective tissue of the abdomen so that the, the, the potential danger with that is that the intestine and one of the intestine loops could get caught into that um, into that opening, and that is, you know, that's a death threat. <laughs> that doesn't take too long yeah. for that to become gangrenous. So everyone knows that that's just quite dangerous. So you could yes. end up with a hernia deep into your visceral ligaments. So for example, or you all, or within one of the organs. Yes. Um, and so adhesions can lead to can lead in in extreme cases to intestinal occlusions. So yeah. there could be a, a, a mechanical, um, yes. um, yeah, stuck, um, yeah. intestine loop in there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's dangerous and that's uh, an emergency operation. So yeah. I have suffered that myself in my thirties. Yeah, wow. so that's, um, I suffered that in my 30s, so it was a complication of the adhesions that I had internally in my mesentery had a hernia. Yes. And that hernia was there from when I was 18, uh, from that original wow. operation. And it was created uh, at that time for whatever reason. My One of my intestine loops ended up getting caught in that hernia and I needed an abdominal surgery um, within you know within hours it was it, it was complete agony it was an awful experience wow. um so it is important that um we work with our breath and we work with our fluidity and and mobility because this is is going to affect not only um not only the the ability to move and the ability to breathe and maybe uh the ease and and the the pain but it's also yeah. potentially gonna affect our physiology so yeah. it's also an important Amazing. thing to have in mind absolutely gosh thank you so much for explaining all that i feel like i've learned so much just <laughs> listening to you um so the scar tissue is we can work with it with um the myofascial release and we can do the visceral manipulation gently of course um, but scar tissue is scar tissue. It's not like it's ever going to change back into, uh, it's no. there, it's there for good. You've got it. Yes. So basically yeah. we have to learn to manage it and to, as you've been talking about, improve the fluidity and the mobility. Um, but it's not ever going to change. It doesn't go away. Well, no, like, you know, like we were saying earlier that um, regeneration is, is something that happens. We do regeneration. Um, um, but it hasn't been found. I mean, the healing process in in those features that we were talking about would be the regeneration yeah. without scar tissue. Yeah. Uh, we as um, you know, we do regeneration with the scar tissue. Of course, yeah. we can invite the, the scar tissue to see to have more fluidity. Um, and as it as it's created by yeah. doing certain things um and we can obviously affect the surrounding tissue but scar tissue is a scar tissue and it will not change no. um yeah we we, we we don't want it to we want it to stay knitted yes. yeah 
we wanted to stay yes. connected. So, so the idea of like aggressively have a go at our scar tissue is not necessarily a good thing. There are things that people that are coming out of surgery, straight out of surgery can do that are very simple and very mm. gentle to just start to have a connection with their own scar, which is another important part of, of, yes. uh, of a scarring. Because like you say, a lot of the time feels like it's not something that we even recognize. It becomes yes. almost numb or, or uh, alien, strange. Yes. We don't recognize it as our, as our abdomen anymore, yes. or as our arm or wherever the scar is. Yeah. So that reconnection is very important from the onset. So from the moment that you come out of an operation, you can start to begin the healing process, but you are beginning the healing process unconsciously anyway yes, but yes. consciously you can invite your breath to travel to the area and to gently start to almost meditate or have an internal experience of how it feels to be in relationship to your scar tissue that's um, really nice yeah. gosh i wish i'd known that years ago when i had my c-section you know 18 years ago because it took me a long, long time to even accept it. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to touch it. Um, if someone had explained this to me back then, oh, it would have changed so many things. I would have been much more compassionate, I think, towards yeah. myself. Um, so yeah, that kind of brings us on to what we hinted at earlier about the, the psychology of it. You know, like you say, yeah. connecting you with it, accepting it as part of you. And it's, you know, yeah. It's not something we should be ashamed of or, you know. There's so many layers to, to scarring. There's so many that we haven't touched on. Um, there's, the, there's the psychology of that. I mean, of course, there is the emotional and the trauma is hidden there. Yes. Um, yes. Um, so the, the psychology of it is, is important and is, um, is key to the healing and to be, to be able to reconnect to these say hello to this new scar in this new tissue and, and accept it obviously there are many levels of it it depends on where the scar is you know if you're wearing your scar in your face um you're gonna have to change because i mean even socially you know we are we co-regulate we we we, we read each other so we yes. might actually even i I remember with my scar when I was 18. So my scar goes runs all the way through my abdomen. And, um, you know, I was wearing a bikini. It's just a thing, you know, in Spain, you just wear a bikini. <laughs> it's not like, you know, and, and my yeah. mom was great because she was really saying, you know, don't you think you're going to be wearing a swimming costume from now on? You're going onto the beach with a bikini. And it was the first time was really kind of like, and of course people do look at my scar even now that when I yes. walked, and now I am proud, you know, I, I walk down the beach in Spain and people, some kids, kids look at things, don't they? It's just yeah, kids yeah. there. <laughs> of course they stare. It's amazing. It's incredible. My belly yes. is, is, is a, is a, is a, is an incredible story. I mean, I've got Absolutely. so many stories about my abdomen and they see it and they, they're fascinated. They're not scared of it. That's why they no. look at it. Yeah. And, uh, but amazing. it took me a long time to feel that. It took me a long time. For a long time, it was walking down the beach and just feeling, oh my God, she's looking, he's looking. And, and I just wanted to hide it. 
And yeah. what that creates in the abdomen is a sense of contraction, of disappear. I don't want mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So it's not a sense of ownership and expansion and an allowance and being. It's a sense of disconnection, which... Yeah, wow, that's um, really powerful. I never thought of that. It's going to have so much impact, isn't it? If you're ashamed, if you're hiding, exactly. it's, it goes so much deeper, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many levels. There are. Um, and yeah. like you say, it's, it's part of you. It tells an amazing story. It shows how amazing the body is to heal itself. And amazing, just amazing. And oh. it tells how strong you are. Absolutely. It tells how strong you are that you went through that and yeah. here you are. Yeah. And here you are and you're not bleeding out. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an achievement. Absolutely. <laughs> Even just that is quite an achievement. But of course, there are many levels and sometimes the scarring has happened through traumatic experiences. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm kind of talking about it lightly here. And um, there are the experience is not the same for everyone. Some people yeah. have a lot of trauma, and yeah. obviously there is a lot of trauma processing to do. So there are yeah. so many practitioners that will be able to help with that as well, um, because it is a journey. It is definitely a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Um, and just thinking, you know. Um, you obviously are a movement educator and I've seen you move and you move beautifully. Um, given your history, you know, and also encouragement for our listeners who are starting their movement journeys, how does that feel? You know, how come you're able to do these beautiful extensions and flexions and, and yet you have your scar tissue. So there's clearly hope for us that we can all move better in a better way, despite what we might have been through. Yeah, um, thank you for that, Jeannie. <laughs> it's always fun. Um, I don't know how to answer if I'm telling you the truth. I think, um, yeah. I guess you've worked on, you've obviously worked so much on your body, on your mind, and like you say, yeah. you've gone through that. You, it wasn't always like that, I'm sure. You had to work to build up to being able to do the things that you can do now um, it's a constant it is a constant journey yeah um and 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 i think you know i really um open up to what you said and and it it, it touches me and i am really um i'm grateful for you seeing that i am moving in that way oh. um <laughs> And yet I feel there is so much to do. I am in constant state of change. You are, so we all are in constant state of change. So thinking that we, you know, when we have a scar, like we said earlier, once a scar, always a scar. And we are going to have to continue to work with it and continue yeah. to, to, to maintain the fluidity throughout the tissues and the organs and the and the joints and and, yes. and the movement is going to have to be something that is a constant journey. And I mean, I suppose I was very young when I first had my um, my major operation. I have had many challenging health um, health issues, um, as we talked on that previous mm -hmm. podcast. I also suffer yes. from 
this lung condition, um, which was a which was a complication of that other operation I had yes. after my um, addition. So it was a complication of the additions. That yes. um, I think perhaps the fact that I've been on that movement journey from very early on that mm -hmm. has really helped me stay yes. in that constant. I will encourage anyone, whatever age they are, that there is a still potential for change right until the last breath. There's a still oh. constant change and regeneration right until the last breath. And that if you are willing to, to dive in from whatever layer it is, from whatever um, point of view it is, whether it is through the psychology of it or getting in through you know, how it affects you emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, there is always potential for growth. So to be curious and to stay curious and to, to find, you know, someone to support you through that journey um, yeah. and to guide you, but that the journey is yours, that's yeah. for sure. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Oh, I feel, honestly, I've learned so much today. Um, is there anything else... I mean, you've just shared a lot there, but is there anything else our audience could benefit from knowing or any any other tips or? Um, I did I mean, make I some notes, so I'm going to have a look. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we saw so much and I feel like there is still um, so much to to kind of explore in terms of yeah. sparring. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think we've covered yes. most things of yes. what I wanted to yes. talk about today. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us again. Um, it's really brilliant. Um, and your way of explaining things is just so beautiful. You can really picture it and it just makes it so much easier to understand. So thank you. Um, so how can people find out more about you if they want to look you up, find out about your work? Um, so I suppose they can they can find me on Instagram and Facebook and, and all those channels, uh, either looking for Evolve Movement Education or looking yeah. for Barrecheguren, if they can spell it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the best way to find out about me is to go on the website. So yeah. Evolve Movement Education or to look up Moving Fascia, which is the, the method that I, uh, that I have. Um, yeah, so if they are teachers and, and movement uh, educators, probably that's the best way. Yes. And, yeah. and otherwise, well, the same. Just yeah. uh, write an email via the website and I'll be very happy to engage in yes. conversation. Exactly. So if or anyone... DM me on... Yes. Yeah. If you have questions, um, if anything that came up today you'd like to know more about, um, you can either leave a, mess, um, leave a comment down below on here or, um, as Anna said, I'm sure she would respond if you messaged her um, um, personally. So, um, yeah. Obviously, reach out if you do have questions um, and we will help if we can answer or point you in, point you in the right direction. Um, so thank you once again, Anna, for your time and your expertise and your passion, as always, for sharing with us. Um, I'm sure our listeners learned a lot because you made it very easy to understand. So thank you. 
Um, and thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Finding Your Range. Um, I look forward to seeing you again soon. And until then, keep moving. <laughs>